Welcome to Scrooged by the Ghost, the podcast where we haunt the 1988 holiday classic Scrooged, one horrifying specter at a time. I'm your host, Sean German, and joining us tonight are special guests from the Minute Impossible podcast, Jonathan Howell and Chris Ramirez. Boogans! Hello! (laughs) Hey! Hey, Sean, how's it going? Fantastic! Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. Uh, co-host Pete Mummer couldn't join us, but he did send along a special holiday greeting that we'll play at the end of the show. Oh, so oh, nice. uh, so stick oh, around nice. for that a little special message from from Pete. Thanks, Pete. Uh, That's thanks, awesome, Pete. Of him. Yeah. Um, but so the folks that actually bothered to show up, yeah, uh, are, are <laughs> yes. here to talk about. Thanks a lot, Pete. Uh, <laughs> We're here to talk about the, the the first part, the opening section of uh, this wonderful movie, Scrooged. And uh, so we start off with we start with three promos for Christ- Christmas specials that are airing on the IBC network, and that's leading up to a promo for the live presentation of Charles Dickens' Scrooged on Christmas Eve. Uh, the youngest executive in television history, Frank Cross, isn't satisfied that people want to watch the show. He wants them to be scared to miss it. And this leads to the firing of Elliot Loudermilk. And uh, in addition to firing people on Christmas Eve or, or so close to Christmas time, um, we see we, we learn a little bit uh, a little bit more about this guy, Frank Cross. And this, uh, this particular episode or section of the movie ends with uh, Frank stealing a cab from an old woman on his way to receive a humanitarian award, which he then promptly leaves in a cab on the way home. Ah, uh, New York. Yeah, exactly. Ah. Uh, New York in the 80s. New York in I the have 80s. A lot. Yeah, when, uh, to, yeah. There's, a, there's so much to talk about. Um, oh, yeah. So, so, so much. This, like, this so, movie so much. Uh, is one of those movies that from the 80s, it is quintessential Bill Murray. For me, yeah. um, I saw this. I did not see this in the movie theater. I first saw it on video. Really? Yeah, somehow I missed it. I don't That's crazy. I don't know. I saw it. I saw it opening day. I remember going uh, and then seeing Cocoon the Return afterwards because they both opened the same day. <laughs> wow, opening. <laughs> that was quite a day. That was quite Man, a what day. What a day for. Wish I'd gone to for, see for little, uh, little Christopher twice. running around. Uh, <laughs> Mom, I want to go see yeah, uh, old no, people. I was by myself. They they dropped me off the theater and they said go. But, you know, I watch everything back then. I watched everything that came out, no matter what. So. I don't know what made <laughs> yeah. me not see it in the theater, but I remember seeing it on video and be like, oh, this is cool. OK, I like this. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. But I this was one of those movies. We You know, we can talk about all the specifics here in a few minutes. But just for me, it was it was interesting. It, it was a different time for Bill Murray and that this was his first movie back. We can start there. This is first movie back when he literally stopped for four years, moved to France. Right, yeah. Was, was pulled like, a Richard Belzer, yeah. said, I'm going to leave. And Although Belzer always does stuff. He just lives in France. I don't know how it works. And yeah. he, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he was kind of... He was like studying, you know, philosophy yeah. in, in Paris and kind of was getting deep. And uh, yeah, other than a brief appearance, that kind of cameo in Little Shop of Horrors... Yeah. He had kind of left acting. Yeah, this was for, after uh, yeah, this was after the uh, the Razor's Edge kind of came out and bombed as well. Uh, you know, his big uh, bid to be a dramatic actor in the eighties, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so I mean, he was kind of burned out by uh, by Hollywood and whatnot at the same time. I truly don't know, you know if we were ready for him to be that no. actor yet. Uh, no, it, right. I mean, it took another like ten years after that, almost until 
Ed Wood came out, and then then it really started to kick off. For well, him. That, that, that's what I, that's one of the things I wanted to it. talk about first, if if you yeah. don't mind, Sean. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah, wherever you, yeah, want of course. wherever I want to go. We here we go. Just <laughs> just like the camera shot at the beginning. Let him off the loose, whooshing through the clouds. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's got uh, the uh, the thing I wanted to talk about was Bill Murray and the way that his career. Obviously, Sean, you are a Bill Murray fan because you did uh, Groundhog Minute, so you, you understand the I movies did. that he did and why he did them. This movie, to me, is Bill Murray still acting like he did in Stripes and like he did in Ghostbusters. This is that oh, Bill yeah. Murray. We get this movie. Just the kind of, yeah, the, the riffing yeah, kind of wild. Kind of, kind of a, every guy. once in a while, he'll yeah, just yeah. say something loud. It, not that it's funny. It's yeah. just the way he says it or he'll do a facial. He was, It seemed like he was walking through this. And I, I got to be on record to say I love Bill Murray. I love the actor that he is, both goofy and straight. So... This, though, when I saw this and then uh, Ghostbusters 2 later, also, I love Ghostbusters 2. Get that out of the way. But it, was, <laughs> it wasn't until Quick Change. I remember I saw Quick Change. It was a, um, a disaster. No one saw it. I love that movie. I did, too. I saw I it in the theater. Love, too. And I, I saw that one saw in the theater. theater. And that was the first time yeah. Bill Murray wasn't this Bill Murray. No, he was the Bill Murray that he, that he slowly became over the last... You know, the next 20 it's years. It's funny so, if a younger okay. person is listening to this yeah. podcast, they're, they're like, well, Bill Murray is like, you know, the Wes Anderson guy and he's very interesting and does yeah. lots of weird stuff, but he's like a good actor. Not in, not in 88. Yeah. He was kind of like, hey, I'm the no. wacky guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, I mean, he was, he, he, when you say Bill Murray to somebody who grew up in the 80s or the 70s, this is the guy they think of first and foremost. They think of Caddyshack, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Scrooged. Uh, Saturday Night Live, you know, I mean, they don't think about the they don't think about Razor's Edge and Quick Change. No, not at all. (laughs) No, if they even know about Razor's Edge, for that matter, you know, that's one of those movies that that kind of gets buried away because of uh, of what it you know what it meant to to him at the time and what it did to Mad Dog and Glory, sort of, if you want to say it that Mad Dog and Glory, Mad Dog and Glory. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was that was right before just one year before before Ed Ed Wood and right one year after. And right at, a year after yeah. Groundhog Day, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he, he did yeah. Ed Wood and then Kingpin. And then from then on, it was kind of like, well, other than Space Jam, which I think everybody was just in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody collected a really good paycheck for that one. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, Space Jam's a little bit, I think, a slide back. I don't know if that counts yeah. as acting. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys as, as Quick Change is a very uh, underrated movie. But Yeah, and uh, he's also one of yeah. the co-directors on that, too. So it gave him a lot more, you know. Leeway That's why when I go back and I watch this actor. movie again, like and take notes on it, I'm just watching him the whole time, going, "He's just riffing," and and that's I mean you can get yeah. that from oh, yeah. the IMDb page. I mean it's basically all ad lib. Yeah. It's probably some of the problems that he had with Richard Donner were you know yeah. Richard Donner I wouldn't consider a ad libbing director. No, Richard Donner is very much a by this by the book sort of guy. I mean he's he he started in television with you know. Things like Bonanza and, and stuff like that. And Gill- Gilligan's Island. I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> but <laughs> and, then, and then this movie starts. And we can actually get into the movie now. I'm sorry. I was just, I just wanted to talk yeah. a little bit about who Bill Murray was when he did this movie. And I think he was conflicted. I think he kind of rolled through this movie. I mean, the end of this movie, it's not my minutes, but the end of this movie is an ad lib they just kept the camera on for. And oh, so yeah. it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. that's kind of how this whole movie feels. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I remember when this was being made. I remember reading about it as it was being made and how they shut production down. Uh, they fired everybody, literally, like in November, right before Christmas. They fired the entire cast and crew because Paramount wouldn't give them a holiday. So 
Richard Donner fired everybody so they could have their Christmas break and then hired everybody back up after Christmas. So our, that's the sort of, you know, production this was, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's, there's uh, I mean, one thing I found interesting is there's there's no opening no. credits. We no. get, uh, you know, we pull in the opening shot is sort of from space diving in through the clouds and we see Scrooge just across the sky above the clouds and that's it. There's no... Yeah, it, you know, all the there's there's a lot of big names in the movie in addition to Bill Murray that we'll see yeah. coming up. But and, and but the, the great thing about that opening to me is is this is I mean if you've in the eighties if you knew Danny Elfman as Onyo Boingo and he'd done a couple of scores like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Summer School and Back to School and Pee Wee and God, stuff I like that. But summer this school. score in particular, I, I think, school. yeah, I do too. Yeah. This score in particular, right. when it starts off, this is like the first sort of rumblings of mm-hmm. Batman score that he's about to do. Which is a year away from, or a little less yeah. than a year this away. This is from the this. Tim Burton. The you start la, to hear la, 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 the Tim Burton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and it's got a very what will become right. Beetlejuice vibe. Exactly. What's the Danny Elfman? Yeah. It's the La La's. Well, Once Beetlejuice, he out Beetlejuice that he, was the, he, Is that a yeah, choir yeah. or is that a synthesizer? Oh, uh, I think it's that's probably. Oh, you think him. so? <laughs> <laughs> it might be because he does that. You know, like he did it with. Uh, I was just watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and you know he does all the voices for all of the Oompa Loompas. And it's got the same sort of yeah, sound right. to it. So it might just be him, you know, recording it, then synthesizing it and overdubbing it over and over again. I really don't know. I mean, that's one of those things. Either that or he's got a very specific <laughs> choir. That I love, I love these movies. I love these TV shows <laughs> that they promote and pitch. They're all awesome. Yeah. The, the Night the Ranger. So you know what? Nowadays, what's so sad is that we're so jaded. This is exactly what we do, would do now. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, other than other than just insert yeah. not Lee Majors put in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vin, Vin, Diesel. Vin Diesel wouldn't do. You have to find like that TV. Who's the TV star that is macho that would come back? Like David Hasselhoff, maybe. I don't know. Who would you? Who maybe. would you put in now? He's, David Hasselhoff's not question, right because he's actually from that time too. Who's? Mm-hmm. You know, it has, has to be, be like somebody, somebody that 80, when I, mean, I walk in, I was like, oh look, it's two thousand. It's Lee yeah. Majors. It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> who's the Lee Majors equivalent? That's a great question. I don't That's know, Sean. Who is it? Quick. Yeah. I didn't watch enough TV in the end then that time period. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I, I'm stumped. <laughs> well, you got me. Yeah. I guess Bruce no, Willis. He's a movie you know? star. We got to get somebody. <laughs> Lee Majors was never a movie star. He, he was only a TV star. We got to figure out somebody who's only been a, we got to figure out somebody who that would be. I don't know. That's a good question. Only what's, what's Kiefer Sutherland. Cause he was big in the, in the early two thousands. Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I say. I, I promise. I don't watch any. Are there action shows? Well, they, the, uh, all the action shows I can think of that are currently on TV are reboots of shows That's when I true. was a kid. Yeah, There's exactly. Hawaii Five O and, and Magnum PI just started <laughs> yeah. up. So I'm like yeah. everything I That's think. Cool. Of That's is why old. I suggested Kiefer Sutherland because he was big with 24 in that with time. With 24, period. yeah, 24 or Jennifer Garner. You know, you could swap it out, and make it a woman because <laughs> yeah. she was yeah. big in Alias. You know, sure. But yeah, yeah just, I mean, there, there are no like Lee Majors. You know anymore. what? You're it's right. Terry Crews. Terry Crews would be the Lee Majors of today. Terry Crews. You're right. He is mostly done. I mean, he does movies, but he has mostly done yeah. TV and everyone loves mostly him. TV. And if he showed up, you TV, would be excited yeah. to see him. He's not a lead actor either. So you'd be like, oh, Terry Crews. And he'd do something funny with his muscles and make his uh, pecs <laughs> dance. Yeah, because yeah, he's that kind of guy. You go, oh, my God, it's him. Yeah. yeah so uh, just a, a note yeah. from the from the yeah. script. I have something that's. <laughs> It, it's labeled, it says it's like the shooting script or the final version, but it has, um, it has Chuck Norris instead oh, of Lee means they Majors. couldn't get Chuck Norris. <laughs> um, and, 
Or, or, like, or yeah. Chuck wouldn't do it because you know, he's, you know, his his uh, background was like, no, I can't oh, make fun yeah. of Christmas. He's very, right. he's very yeah. so, religious. So, so, yeah. Oh, okay. And and I'm I'm guessing at this point Lee Majors needed the money. He hadn't been yeah. working much. Lee Majors is funnier. But, uh, sorry. Yeah, Terry Crews. I would, Lee Majors I would is funnier. That. That's a funnier name. Yeah. Although the fact yeah. that they call him Lee Majors is even funnier. <laughs> is that Santa's like it's Lee Majors? <laughs> well, you know, the, the irony is. The irony well, yeah. is that the way TV is now, if we were to do this now, it would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, uh, yeah, well, because he's actually gone. He's boomeranged back. He And also now TV, it's different. Yeah. Prestige TV is now... Yeah, that's what I mean. The way TV I mean, is now. At the time, you did not go in from the TV and then go into movies and then come back to TV. And now no. the best movies are on TV. Mm. I feel like I'm doing an, an HBO commercial. <laughs> hey, guys, the best movies are on. Exactly. <laughs> HBO. It's not TV. HBO. It's HBO.com HBO. slash yeah. Scrooged. <laughs> Or it would be somebody like George Clooney because of, uh, oh, of yeah. ER. I wonder if he'd come back. He'd be fun. Yeah, it's George, yeah, Clooney. Clooney. George Clooney. But yeah, and we get our first. Oh, no, and we get our Batman, first look you know? at uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Cross. He looks. Mm-hmm. He looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that boardroom's awesome. I love that yeah. they couldn't. They couldn't. This t- this movie is like in that weird time frame where technology hadn't caught up yet with TVs. So they, yeah. they mentioned a bunch of things in these minutes that we're talking about. Everything from VCRs to they have nine TVs up in front. And instead of being one giant image, they do that later when they have the one of the ghosts show up. It's it's nine individual yeah, right. tiny televisions showing the same thing. Well, what's like show, nine yeah, what's interesting yeah. is that they it's that's such an 80s sort of 80s um, sort of type that even the wonder the first image of Wonder Woman 84 that they sent out was her looking at like nine TVs that's awesome. with nine different images on it. So yeah, I mean that's you know that you've got to say that that's it a is that stroke, to me means you know it it's the big time it's yeah you're seeing you've got like eight TVs nine TVs that you can look at at once kind of that was yeah. the dream in the what kind of Daddy Warbucks has this many TVs <laughs> exactly not one big TV like we have now <laughs> can we uh, can we go into are we gonna Sean uh, this the night to be on uh, are we can we go into the minutia of some of the stuff that we see or are we only doing overarching things you can go right. wherever you want to go yeah. I mean, yeah. So I don't know if you want to. We we can talk about some of the other. I well, I didn't have much to say on uh, Bob Goulet's other than that being an SNL sketch. That, I mean, that makes me think of, yeah, the SNL sketch with uh, with, uh, with Will Ferrell. That's what it made me yeah. think of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, and they they describe it as America's best love singer. <laughs> and I, In you know, I know maybe at one point In Robert Goulet was a big deal, but he no. was never. No, he was never really a big deal. <laughs> like just kind of looking up. I mean, I kind of I recognize the name, and I know he he um he made a, a big splash. He was in the original I Broadway production of Camelot, Camelot and he, that yeah. was a big deal. I saw, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> but he like he awesome. doesn't have any yeah. number one hits. He doesn't have any number one albums. He's like he's, he, I mean he's he's made a living in show business as uh, you know as a singer and occasional actor, which is uh, you know better than than most people do, but. You know, uh, um, America's He's the Michael Bublé. I'm surprised they get like like uh, Goulet. Yeah. He is the Michael Bublé because Michael yeah. Bublé. Robert Goulet. No one hates Michael him. Bublé. You're right. We're just funny. making comparisons now to things no. now to things then. It seems to be kind of where we're going. Then, exactly. And, <laughs> this is yeah, now re- just the recast. Michael Bublé is literally like to, uh, he's great. He's fine. He's a great singer. Name one song he sings. Yeah, they're all the same. They're all covers. Yeah. Yeah. But. But 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 you know, once a year, oh, it's Christmas. You can put them on, no, like, and it's non-offensive. My and mom exactly and dad would enjoy it, and so would I. Season. So it's perfect. Much, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
But I, I do love that it's Robert Goulet's old-fashioned Cajun Christmas, you know? Cajun, of all things. Is, what, is Cajun? He, let me, uh, is he Cajun? That's, that's what it is. I just love that, though. I always thought it was funny. Yeah, I, I, because well, I remember, I'm like, is it, well, he's that's from Cajun, Massachusetts, right? right? Like, he's actually, um, he's actually, um, of, uh, according to Wikipedia, he's a, a French-Canadian oh. ancestry, but was born and raised in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Huh. And uh, Lawrence, if you're not familiar with Massachusetts, it's an old, um, you know, textile town, an old, uh, you know, very blue collar. It's not it's not blue Massachusetts liberal type thing, just very blue collar working class town in Massachusetts. But it's it, there's nothing Cajun about it. Well, it's like, uh, what's his face, <laughs> Tom Jones. There's nothing Welsh about him, yeah. but he's Welsh. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah. is. I love yeah. the I love the Robert Goulet. I love the night the reindeer died because when it comes with the night the reindeer died. The only thing that I, the only thing I have an issue with yeah. is uh, I thought the elves looked great. The lady elves are freaking weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they are, are jigsaw from the Saw movies. <laughs> they have like this weird white pointy nose and these little rosy cheeks, and I was like, I don't like this. I don't like. Why are they full size and the elves are? small what are they are they not elves this is this is the first thing i think of yeah is me <laughs> well i wonder are they are they human because one thing i and then i'll, I'll kind of i'll ask you guys if, if i don't know how much research you've done or how much digging you've done i couldn't find like who are these elves who are the actors playing these elves they're they're, they're not credited at in the movie and usually imdb is good about Getting God, sort of the uncredited so roles, often, especially with little people in movies. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. how many times did that happen in Star Wars, where they'd have they just jam some dude into a oh, suit, yeah. and then later on, you're like, I have no, no, there's no credit. That's weird that in '88 they didn't even have credits yeah. at the end. There's really nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do love that that Ron Howard's mom is playing Mrs. Claus. Is that Ron Howard's mom? Awesome. Is Ron is Howard's, Howard's mom? mom? Yeah, yeah, Ron Howard's mom is playing playing Mrs. Jean Claus. Spiegel Howard. Yeah. Yep. I, I did not uh, notice that. I right? just uh, the only thing I thought about her is like that's that yeah. that's Mrs. Claus. Yeah, you know she she's definitely have the look. Yeah. What else uh, do I know her from? Howard's mom. Oh, she was in Apollo. 13. Oh yeah, she's yeah, the old she's lady. Not. Oh, wasn't she also the old lady? Mm-hmm. Was she the old? She was in Cocoon. Was she in that and, um, dinosaurs Matilda. live action show? Was she? You know wasn't from. she? No, that's the other lady. Who am I thinking of? Who yeah, that's the other of? lady. Now I'm now I'm hold on. We have to edit all this crap <laughs> yeah. out. I'm trying to look it up. Where is Howard? Howard, Howard, Howard. Where is she? Yeah, hey, well, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she, she's done a bunch of a TV, like, you know, single episode appearances on different Oh, series, yeah, definitely. Then, yeah, she she and, and, and her and his dad were, were such big. I mean, I was watching Splash the other day, and his dad's, you know, the first guy in that that comes up to Tom, Tom, Tom Hanks and starts complaining about the cherries. <laughs> I'm I'm going back through her thing looking for that stupid dinosaur show. Hold on, no, it's it's not her. So okay, <laughs> well, moving on, moving on. No, but it's not her. I will we will post this when yeah. this goes live. So, yeah, that, so there's they, the, then they modeled the dinosaur prosthetics on Ron Howard's mother because it looks exactly <laughs> like her. All right, go on. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, so I was about to say, so just about it's like a minute in as we're panning Cooper, through Santa's in. workshop. <laughs> A minute in, and there's a you're, you're talking about the the women uh, elves. They may not be elves, or little people. I don't, well, they're they're elves. They're, 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 I, I'm not saying the woman, the actress, is an right. elf. I'm saying she's playing an elf. She's a little share. 
<laughs> oh, with the hair and everything. She's like painting yeah. a wooden horse, but she's got like straight black hair with red lips. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is just, she's mini, mini share. Yeah. Um, I don't know who, I'm just going to call her mini share because I don't know. Yeah. The, the women look like, you're right. They look like, uh, like who's from. Uh, yeah. They have kind of uh, a, they the have, Grinch, they have little you know? nose yeah, things going Hoobell. on, little. And their cheeks are like, like bigger than There's they something need going to be. On. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, yeah. That that was my note. Yeah. It was just everybody go check that out next time you watch it. I'm sorry I ruined the first minute of the movie by being like, "Hey, who are these weird, uh, grown women hanging out with these elves?" And it's like only one oh, of them too. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of elf. <laughs> <laughs> How blue are we going? It's the queen elf. You know? the queen <laughs> what a horrible thought. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, everybody. It it gets cold up there yeah. in the North Pole. Ugh. And, and and Mrs. Claus yeah. is taken. Exactly. We assume. We don't know. You know, it's probably, you know, we figure Santa's out, you know, on the road a lot for uh, for work. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when Santa's away, the elves will play. It's and then, and then we see uh, the shot pans back and we see the uh, group of yes men and yes woman in uh, Cross's office. And yeah. uh, it's uh, it's uh, what's her face? Um yeah, she's Mary Ellen Donner's Lucky Charm. Uh, she's yeah, she's uh, oh, yeah, she she was Robert she's Richard Donner's Greg Grunberg. She is the Grunberg yes. of the Donner verse. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, Donner has quite a few Grunbergs, and I think a couple of them show up in this movie as well because they're always in his films. Uh, one one oh, of yeah? them is his uh, cousin, I think. Yeah, his cousin who was in Superman and he was the 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 sergeant in. Um, uh, Lethal Weapon movies. Oh yeah, the, the he looks like yeah. looks sort of like Richard Donner, but yeah, oh. yeah I, he probably shows up here and somewhere in this movie. Yeah, we should we should yeah mention for folks that don't know. So Richard Donner, in addition to directing this movie and Superman, um, known for yes. the the Lethal Weapon series. Yeah, and Goonies, and the oh, Omen. Did he do Goonies? He did do Goonies, and he did the Omen. All for you, and um, what else? Did, yeah. yeah, all for you, Damien. And, yeah. and also the uh, cinematographer was uh, Michael Chapman. He was a big guy. Uh, he did yep. a ton of stuff. He did yeah. Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Fugitive, mm-hmm. Primal Fear. Yep. And is uh, kind of a kind of a kind of a big deal. Uh, he did Evolution, that awesome movie. Oh yeah! Oh, I love that movie with uh, with uh, Mulder Fox with uh, David Duchovny. Mulder. Yeah, David <laughs> Duchovny. Yeah. And um, the and the Seven, seven up, up guy, guy. Right? Yeah. yeah, Orlando Jones, yeah. Orlando make Jones. Seven Up yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but he was. I mean, that there are some good shots in this movie. We don't. This isn't. Yeah, this, isn't, this is a well uh, shot movie. We get like the first setup shots. It's not going to be avant garde. But later on, when it gets weird and other, there are some very creative shots in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it really goes into. In sort of the surreal way uh, towards I mean, the, scary. the end of the film, you know? So when you get to those yeah. parts, it's scary. Just know that young Jonathan on VHS was yeah, oh, yeah. definitely scared. <laughs> I think that's, and I think that's what they were was, going I was for. 14. I was 14. So. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So, you know, Frank's not happy with what they're giving him. And well, I, and I want to jump in. Um, you know, this is, I think most of the people listening to this and, and most of our guests are going to be from the movies by minutes world where, uh, people cover movies one minute at a time and doing this kind of one ghost at a time. We're not going to get into that, that level of detail in every minute, but I'm looking at, um, at, at three twenty one, 
when Frank opens up the drawer and looks at the mirror. I love that move. <laughs> like, and, and it's one of those, it, it's a, it's a Bill Murray move to just like, he's got to admire himself in, in the middle of the meeting, not prepping, not like he's psyching himself up. No, this is while the meeting's going on, everyone's sitting around watching him look at himself in the mirror. Is this <laughs> in the script? This is not in, uh, no, uh, yeah, this is not in the version of the script. I have script a feeling that script that is have, going to be so mostly I, what ifs, yeah. what, what, what could have been because. Yeah. Yeah. What could have been exactly. On the day of yeah, shooting, I'm sure Bill Murray strokes. was throwing out ideas. And that's part of the reason why Richard Don was so annoyed. Yeah. So we f- yeah, follow up the, the three promos, the, um, what was it? So it's. Uh, night the Reindeer Died. The, the, the Night, night the Reindeer Died. died. Uh, Bob Goulet's old fashioned Cajun Christmas, and then Father Loves, <laughs> Loves Beaver. Beaver. Yep. And, and and I just want to and, and I want to interject. There's there's this, and I don't know if this is supposed to be funny, or if this is just I don't know the the way they do things in Hollywood. Everything about this movie is sort of presented as we're cutting edge. We're sort of pushing the envelope of what TV can do, or that's or you know Frank Cross it's edgy. is is this young guy. He's the next generation. It's moving forward and everything is dated. So, you know, at this point, you know, a $6 million man has been off the air for a couple of years, sort of Lee majors. People would know the name, but he's, he's really past his prime. Bob Goulet is well past his prime and, and was never that big. Um, the, the say, and then leave it to Beaver was a thing, you know, this is sort of a, that, um, you know, Father Loves Beaver is a takeoff on Leave It to Beaver was big 20 years ago. At, yeah, you know, I don't know about it's, 20, now it's yeah, 20 years ago. Much yeah. longer. But at the time this movie comes out, that's, that's still in reruns. Everything in is. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and they did have a the new Beaver show as well. It's the new Beaver. <laughs> the new but like, Beaver. So, so everything's kind of past its prime. And even jumping ahead to a little bit to when they talk about. When we when we get to the cast of Scrooge, the next yeah. thing oh, that's yeah, coming that up, the next just... promo is their their Scrooged uh, presentation. Everything you know. So Jamie Farr at this point, Mash. It, it, it's five years. Mash went off the air in '83, and it, I mean it's still in syndication and reruns. But you know what's Jamie Farr doing these days? Cannonball Run. Hey, like, it's not like he's the hot. Don't you diss you know, Cannonball Run? Guy. Those movies are great. <laughs> oh no, I, I I I oh I love I'm a uh, I love those movies, but. And uh, but it's not like, you know, Jamie Farr was was a hip happening guy. And even the Solid Gold dancers they had um, Solid Gold ran for eight years, but it actually just been canceled. It feels like (laughs) these jokes were written by guys who thought this was funny, but this movie got made five years too late. (laughs) If this movie was made in 82, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's actually kind of cutting edge. They got Jamie Farr and uh, the Solid Gold Dancers. That's pretty hip. Yeah. Well, and then speaking of of, of five years past or four years past, and then Mary Lou Retton. Yeah, 184. Was was huge. I mean, she, you know, every four years, someone comes up and, you know, some some young woman kind of becomes the face of America winning, you know, winning big in Olympic gymnastics. And that was Mary Lou Retton with the, uh, the all around gold in 84. But then four years later, it, yeah, it's, everything's just a little bit past. Well, that's where some of the jokes get a little hacky. I, yeah. the jokes between the people are still mm-hmm. fresh. Like I don't mind those interactions and the interplay, but I bet you Bill Murray read this script. and was like, Oh, okay. This is literally, 
a hack fest of let's do a wouldn't it be funny if we did a skit I mean, this is like SNL quality, yeah. 80s quality, mid 80s quality SNL skit where you just kind of take an idea and just from a writer's oh, yeah. room and just be like, I don't know, solid gold dancers. That's funny. And you don't think about it again. You just put it in the script. Yeah. Yeah. Just put yeah. It in. Yeah. <laughs> and then five years later, it gets made. And and they just forget to update it because you know, they forget, oh, wait, solid gold has been canceled at this point. And, and for folks, the folks that are younger than than we are who might not know what solid gold was. This was sort of... Yeah, trying to explain to people what solid well, gold... That was a dumb be- show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, bef- and, and well, I was going to say before MTV, but MTV was around in the 80s. Yeah. So this, this was, was... for the squares. This was for the they, squares that didn't yeah, want so cable. So if you didn't have cable, if you just had broadcast TV, this was a show where they played... It was an hour long, so they played like the top 10 hits like whatever popular songs were going on and then because it was tv and not radio and they had to show you something they had dancers they yeah, just it was basically this- like a weekly top 40 but like a weekly top 10 yeah like a where weekly they would top go over 10 the top 10 songs in the in the country with, the with solid dancers. Gold dancers sort yeah. of making like just making up a impromptu music video who was uh, andy gibb and marilyn mccoo oh my god marilyn mccoo i have not th- said that word out yeah. loud in 30 years marilyn and remember McCoo, that marilyn. stupid Waylon flowers with madam madam my wife madam yep loves he was on that show for a while. <laughs> she thinks madam. madam is the funniest thing to this day because it is so it is so bad and the puppets garbage but oh this, this guy this Waylon flowers yeah. guy just sold it. He's just like, I'm going to have this. He goes, yeah. I have kind of an effeminate cadence. So I'm going to have this character be Madam. And Madam is just going to be uh, this this old cranky lady who's just, you know, never always tells it like it is. Well, well, Madam was so huge in the 80s. I mean, she yeah. was in Vegas. She had her own TV show. And yeah. she was on like like the Tonight Show all the time. And, yeah. and, and Solid Gold. I mean, it was like crazy. I remember going to Vegas in the 80s and... It was like there were signs for a big signs on on the the strip of her, you know. You come see Matt Wayland Fowler, Flowers and Madam. I mean, it was just insane. It's, it, yeah, it's weird if you delve into sort of the television history of the the seventies, mainly like late seventies, early eighties. And on the one hand, us older folks will say, "Well, it was different. You only had three networks, and maybe you know, plus PBS, and you didn't have a million cable stations plus YouTube and Netflix and all these other things." So. We, you know, kind of makes it sound like there'd be very few shows and it would be very selective. Like you must have been the best of the best of the best because, there was, no. you know, we didn't even have Fox. There are only three network. But then you look at some of the stuff that got it. Like, yeah, Madam had her own show. Yeah. Um, but the people that came out of that thing, Rick Dees, Arsenio Hall, Nina Blackwood, yep. all these people came out of this stupid show. And we wouldn't have Arsenio Hall if he hadn't been. He became like the in in house comedian. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, there was so much syndication TV back then, and that's what Solid Gold was for a while. And the same with the Madam Show, and even that show, mm-hmm. that horror show, Small the Wonder. Robot. You know, they were all <laughs> these, these syndication. I just like that you're putting up Rick well, he was big. as an example hey. of like. I, I, assu- I assume he has you were more going hits. Like, oh, that's he a has good more thing. hits than no, Robert he was Rick D's. Oh. He had that disco duck. 
Yeah, because I mean, even when I when I moved to LA in 2004, yeah, he still was big then. I mean, he was on the on the radio up until Ryan Seacrest basically, you know, all about Eved him and killed and killed his career basically. Well, because Rick D's always had <laughs> yeah. that cheesy, you know. I mean, he was the center square for a while too on uh, Hollywood Square. He had Disco Duck. I mean, come on. Yeah. Duck. Show my age right there. Well, we're going to have to. It's going to be interesting duck. how the Scrooge, uh, how we're going to disseminate all this information to people <laughs> so they can go look at links on this stuff. <laughs> the 80s were weird, man. It's the 80s. To quote, like, to quote, to quote our yeah, friend. Were, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's a link that can explain. To quote our friend yeah, George yeah, Hendricks from the Mogwai Minutes. It's the 80s, man. <laughs> That's exactly. the only thing you can say. And the thing is that, 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 you know, we're throwing out a bunch of names and things. And, you know, a lot of people have that 80s nostalgia, but we're throwing out stuff that is like, you don't see the nostalgia for that the same way that you do the other And things. I think that's yeah. the point of what, uh, I, I keep forgetting his first name, uh, Frank, that Frank, Frank Cross, Cross had, is, yeah. is not happy with. Yeah. He knows this stuff is dated. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. dated in 88. Well, I mean, he has that line here. He's like, if I could fire that guy, I would, you know. And then he, and then he, uh, they put on the Scrooge yeah. promo. And it starts with this awesome music, this you yeah. know, death, famine, ODing, all this kind of Which is basically what our commercials are nowadays. Yeah. It's, it, every commercial for the 10 o'clock news is, something in your house could kill you. We'll talk to you tonight about it. And you're always like, oh. Don't eat your lettuce. It's going to kill you. You know? And I love... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he says, and this yeah. John Houseman, and John Houseman shows up. What, were you going to say something, Sean, before that? I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, another... Another thing that was data in jumping back or into the the script another bit in uh, in the version of the script I have originally that third show mm-hmm. instead of Father Loves Beaver it's it's sort of a, a murder mystery someone is killing sidewalk Santas and only Lonnie Anderson can stop them oh my god that sounds great <laughs> I would like to see that the title is Fat Jolly and Dead. <laughs> 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 Which yeah, but again, it sounds like an SNL skit, and also, uh, you know, Lonnie Anderson had been had been working, had been doing a few things, but her real big claim to fame is WKRP in Cincinnati. Which at that point had been off the air since '82. I mean, it'd and, been and around being, in syndication and being but, Mrs. Burt Reynolds too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and appearing in Stoke Race in '83. But again, oh. it's you know, if if this is your pillar that you're hanging your network on. This is your big evening of, of Christmas programming. It's, it's someone who's kind of four or five, four or five years past, well, um, and, you know, and, past and the fresh. It's date. funny enough that Frank wants something fresh and hip. And he puts, <laughs> he puts John Hausman who, who he quotes as America's favorite yeah. old fart. And I had to go look up John Hausman because he's another name that you're like, yeah, I know who he is, but I don't know what he's from. But basically, but basically he was on the Paper done? Chase and Silver Spoons and this other shows. He was on shows from like the 60s and 50s on, but he was he was America's favorite old fart that he definitely just said that that is an ad lib. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if John Hausman found out about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he probably kind of nodded and said, eh, "It's such a yeah. weird." It's a, and he puts him in there, um, and he's you know, it's the old uh, showing the old book. You open the book, and then you see John Houseman. He says to you know, this Christmas Eve at, uh, and I have this in my notes. Ooh, I'm sorry, I'm about to re-record that because I just hit my microphone. Uh, he has in his notes. Uh, I have my notes. Scrooge at 10 p.m. Eastern, and I was like, oh, what? You're going to have a Christmas Eve thing at 10 p.m.? Is that 
what is that for? What show starts at 10 p.m. anywhere, even in the 80s? Must see TV is. I guess it's that you know since it's yeah I mean that's that's kind of messed up because it's that's nine o'clock Central Time so it's like what an hour. <laughs> the show's yeah, gonna be what so an hour is I guess it, yeah it can't be much longer than an hour. Maybe they're thinking because it's is it the last it's Christmas the kids are excited they're staying yeah. up late is it the last thing they're gonna see before they yeah. go to sleep? Meanwhile, this is parents are rapping. I I, I think I don't I don't know if yes. you gentlemen have children I don't but. Yeah. I have nieces and nephews, and I know my, you know, my 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 siblings and sibling in laws. Ten o'clock Christmas Eve, they want those kids asleep because, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, they're wrapping, they're stuffing stockings, like they yeah. don't want a live TV special at that time. That's keeping. We won't the kids say up. why. We yeah. won't say why. They just want the kids to go to sleep early. Yeah, kids, if you're listening, no, your your parents are putting out milk and cookies for Santa. They're not. Yeah, because yeah, Santa's coming. They're tired. Yeah, they're tired. But yeah, what a weird kid listening to the Scrooge podcast. Mommy, what are they trying to say about Santa? What are they saying? But that, yeah, that is odd that they. Who's it for? Yeah, and also you guys for? just said it's an hour. They're spending forty million dollars. Well, on we're, this. we're guessing it's only an hour because what is it going to be? Ten to midnight? Yeah, Maybe because I mean, gets, I mean, local news is what eleven o'clock New York uh, Eastern time. Yeah, usually. Yeah, unless unless that's unless they're planning. I mean, it does sound like. I mean, and 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 Frank says they've spent forty million dollars. So if it's two hours, maybe they're planning to have the big finale and at, at midnight on Christmas. Um, I guess you know, like Christmas special. morning, but it, it does sound like a long night of programming because they start at well, it starts at seven. As we you know from the, going back to that voiceover, yeah, the night the reindeer dies starts at seven, and then eight thirty is Bob Goulet, nine is Father Loves Beaver, and then this starts at ten. Your opener is Father Loves Beaver. To the something you spent forty million dollars on? Well, yeah, and that's yeah. What kind of lead in is that? Yeah, it's, started at eight. This, this, exactly. Yeah. This this whole thing. This is, is the jewel in the IBC crown. Yeah, the the the, the, the rain the reindeer thing should be at nine at eight thirty and go. Until I like 10, that we're unhappy with the timing. Give me Scrooge, you know. The... <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is all about. Getting into well, the so I mean, to, and and well, they, I, that leads to kind of one of the one of the things I like about this movie, and and one of the reasons I wanted to cover it is one of the and going back. So this, they never say a Christmas Carol. They even say Charles. They say Charles no, Dickens classic. Scrooge, yeah, but they call it the Charles know, Dickens classic. The Charles Dickens classic. We know they're, you know, the the, the Dickens family. Were they not that, allowed that to say? Were they not allowed to say a Christmas Carol? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know why. Did they call it Scrooge because they needed to call it Scrooge because the movie's called Scrooged? I think that's why they call it Scrooge because <laughs> okay. the movie's Probably. called Scrooge. It's, it's Scrooge inside Scrooge. But um, so this is based on a Christmas Carol, and you know it's a Christmas classic made Charles Dickens famous, made Christmas famous um, years ago. I was reading something that said like this: this whole this kind of like is the birth of modern Christmas. Here, they you know used to be very uh, you know a solemn day of, of prayer for the religious kind of thing, but just this kind of merry gift-giving thing that it's become kind of starts here. But I was always skeptical of this turn at the end that that Scrooge, I don't know, I just, I didn't buy it. I don't buy the character arc that Scrooge becomes so great after being so bad in the beginning. And that's one of the things I think this movie does well, that it kind of sells that a little bit better yeah, because I, than I, some of the other adaptions. I agree, have. because in the story... Scrooge has been a dick for his whole life. 
we can only assume Frank became yeah. uh, this jaded guy later because he are you know he we see earlier he he and Marion I'm only gonna call her Marion uh, um, Claire yeah. uh, she <laughs> she she was a good thing for him and that was right. and that was and we saw the positive how positive he was and he used to be normal it's not yeah he had such a great love of TV and he was so like energized by it and. He was very, very kind-hearted yeah. back then. Yeah, too. I, I agree with him. that. Though the 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 story of Scrooge is always one that you're like, seriously? I mean, the guy basically had an episode and has changed his entire life in one night because of it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I understand but, it's a parable and it's supposed to be like this, but I like the way they 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 don't give us a character that is so bad that when he pivots, we don't believe it. Like, right. I have no problem with him. He can still be a jerk. And at the end, he is still like, he's still the same guy yelling and screaming. He's just happier about who he is. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and he he's still Frank Cross. And I'll, I'll, I'll call out another Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day. At, at the end, um, at the end of that, um, Phil is... Phil is still kind of a, a wise guy. He's still making sarcastic remarks when he said, you know, he, he wakes up on, on February 3rd in Punxsutawney and he says, let's move here. We'll rent to start. You know, he's, he's still sarcastic. He's still making comments. He's still who he is. He still murdered that he homeless just, guy. He still murdered the homeless guy. <laughs> you got to live with that now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So check out Groundhog Minute at Groundhog Minute. Groundhog Minute. But... So, yeah, you can, you know, you can, I, I, you can change. I believe people can change, but they're still who you are, you know, or, or you are who you are kind of thing. You can only change so much. You can be yeah. nicer, but if you're a wise guy, you can be a nicer wise guy kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I, I think just in, in the original, everyone around Scrooge is sort of a really nice person and they're trying to do good and they're trying to be friendly and he's just an a-hole, nonstop, for seemingly no reason other than he guess he enjoys being an yeah, a-hole. Yeah, I mean, there's like, nothing even, other than being, he's just a, he's yeah. sadistic, he's a sadist, he enjoys yeah, he's, the misery. He's even meaner than he has to be. And in this, you see, no, you know, Frank is kind of surrounded by idiots. Like, I'm, I'm a little sympathetic yeah. to, you know, maybe he his bedside manner, his approach could be a little bit nicer, but... You know, when the one guy is like, you know, hey, America loves an acrobat, like, you kind of deserve, you're like, you're an idiot. That guy deserves to be fired. And um, saying, so Mrs. Claus did have 11 fingers. It's crap. Get it off my wall. It's not, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I, I love That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I thought it was funny that nothing is scarier than the life of Brian font that they use for the Scrooge at, at the, the, the big Scrooge. <laughs> I like that. And then, and then all the all evil stuff got to me because the shotgun in the face and some of the other stuff. I'm like, this is a little close, too close to home to what's going on now. So uh, not a super fan of this. And yeah. then uh, and then they uh, they talk and we meet uh, Elliot Loudermilk, mm -hmm. uh, played by John, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, who who yeah, you all Bob would Goldthwait know as a great. director, but we all know as a goofy actor and stand up comedian from the 80s. Yeah, from uh, Police Academy and, yes. and other great yeah. movies. And he's doing Hot to the voice in this movie. He's doing like a pared down version of the voice at first. And then as he gets more drunk and more crazed, he starts going into like full <laughs> Bobcat. Um, because I, I don't even know if, if kids nowadays or people nowadays know 
what full bobcat really is. I mean, maybe if you played the Skylanders game, you heard it. Oh yeah, he was because <laughs> yeah, he did the he was one of the voices and he was doing full bobcat. Yeah, his stand up. Go look it up, kids. His stand up was crazy, and at the time, no one had ever seen this. Yeah, he was crazy. He would come out and he was all sweaty. No. And he would snarl and, and talk with that weird inflection. And then he'd like scream for no reason. Oh, it was awesome. He, lo- he was looked so like good. a rabid dog most of the time. He was like, it was awesome. And, and, and then, you know, he was in those Police Academy movies. And then he did uh, a couple other things, you know. And then he got like Hot to Trot. And then this was pretty much right after that. Hot to Trot with John Candy. Then he started directing more and more. And now he's, and, I mean, now you, I, if you see him now, yeah. you'd be like, "Oh, that's just now we director." That's crazy. Now he's on NPR. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the last few times I've heard of of Bobcat. He's on a he's a panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, he's still funny. Now. So that's respect. Yeah, oh yeah, he's still yeah. funny. He's just yeah, different he's, now. You know, he's just not he's, doing the God. voice. Yeah, he's not doing that voice anymore. Uh, and <laughs> and he listens to Elliot. Elliot tells him it's just too scary. Maybe if you maybe if you you know lost some of the stuff. Well, thanks for telling me. I appreciate that. And and then he uh, he fires Elliot Loudermill. Well, first of all, I thought his name was Loudermill because for my entire life until we just did this, uh, we did this research. <laughs> Loudermilk. I don't I don't know what that Louder is. Milk. All the names in this movie are Louder insane. Milk. I don't know if they're homages <laughs> to the actual uh, uh, Christmas Carol. I don't know if these people have names that are being used like because Preston Rhineland Lander. All these people have very affected names. No. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, they it, they don't seem to be names from the original. No. I, I think it's just yeah. I'm not sure where yeah where louder. It's just weird. It's it's I guess it's funny. Comes from. But anyway, so he does his thing. He he's the one voice of reason in a bunch of yes men. Uh, Frank does not take to that well and has him fired no. on Christmas. And then then Frank makes a joke and no one laughs and he goes nobody gets me. And I started laughing, and I was like, "That I have said that so many times, and I think I got it from that when I was a kid. Nobody gets me. Nobody gets me. You just have to yell it to the heavens in front of the people who didn't get it. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah, and that that's something I say all the time, and I didn't even realize that I was quoting. Neither did I. I Do you think we are? I think we are. I think subconsciously. I can't think of anything else where it would be from. I was trying to like, I was like, yeah. did they come up with this? Is this a nobody gets me? It's like kind of a thing. It's almost like a from the earth to the, you know, bang, zoom to the moon, Alice. It's kind of a, it's a catchphrase. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. this is so familiar. And I was so happy when that happened. And then after that, uh, Robert Mitchum, another, another old name, <laughs> yeah. playing Preston, uh, his boss comes in and he, I love that he's g- drinking a tab and stoli. Yeah. yeah. Again. That's the best thing. Four years too late. Tab was not a thing in 1988. It wasn't. I mean, you could buy it, but as a soft drink person who liked soft drinks, I don't think you could buy. I don't think people were. It was in the. It was, everything was Diet Coke in 1988. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, again, for the younger folks, Tab was Tab was before Diet Coke, before Diet Pepsi and all those, it was like kind of the first diet soft drink, you know, car- the first diet carbonated beverage. Remember, yeah, by this point in the 80s. That stuff that gives you cancer. It's saccharin. They had to get rid of yeah. that. Mm. Yeah. So but at, at this point, we had, you know, you had Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi and these other things. Um, it, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's still around today, but. I think it's been reintroduced because um, it's yeah, owned by, this by point, Coca-Cola. They, under, they did like Tab Energy. Gross. Oh. Yeah, I've seen regular tab in the stores. Too, I mean, so 
Let's see. Yeah, it looks like there it. was. I'm. I'm just looking. It, it was discontinued in '94, and t- oh, and the original tab flavor was introduced in 1983. Yet again, five mm-hmm. years after this movie, and it's <laughs> yes. just another one of those things. You're like, it's just not a. Uh, I, I, it it does make me laugh though, because that sounds disgusting. Uh, vodka and tabs. <laughs> that's gross. But uh, he he meets Preston, and Preston is a yeah. wackadoo. <laughs> We find out in the first five seconds. He's like, Frank, how many cats do you think there are in the United States? He's like, ballpark? Uh. <laughs> how many dogs? And so he wants to he wants to program for pets. Programming for pets. And I, I did a little bit of research, very little, but I did a little bit of research. Uh, so Preston says at the, at the time, uh, I guess in 1988, there, he says there's 27 million cats and 48 million dogs. Um, as of the last census I could find, last dog census we were up that we to, had. Yeah, yeah, dog census. We well, you know they 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 go around. I guess I don't know if this is um, resident dogs or citizen dogs. I don't know how they uh, decide. Oh, stray but, dogs, you know exactly. Um, so yeah, so the the latest numbers I could find as of uh, 2017, there were 90 million dogs. And 95 wow, million. It's even cats. more than Preston thought. So cats wow. had kind of pulled ahead. Yeah, yeah. But, and it was funny, there was just as, as of this taping, within the past day or so, there was a pretty long, a pretty long discussion on Facebook uh, that people, that I saw people talking about their pets watching television. In particular, uh, the one thing, uh, cats seem to love. Uh, the voice of David Attenborough. <laughs> so does my and eight-year-old, the BBC, my ten-year-old. The the you know he's, that's a very calming voice. But there was a long thread. I think it was on Facebook. A long thread of saying every time like the Earth or Planet Earth or any of these nature series that David Attenborough has uh, has done for the BBC. Or anytime they come on, the cats are just in. I think it's like an ASMR thing. I think that there's some tone. <laughs> In the way, because when he talks, it's very, you know, it's it's British and it's very long right. vowels. He has like that announcer's voice and you're just kind of like, ah, oh, David Attenborough is going to tell me what's up with that elephant. Oh, I'm good. Oh, he's going to talk about mating dances, this weird bird. Ah, oh, I'm good. Right. He's just very, it's, I guess I'm, maybe I'm part cat. I find David Attenborough very uh, calming. Maybe. Yeah. Now, if I, but, but I, I did have an issue with this. Yeah, that they because... reference Kojak? A show that came went off the air in 1978. <laughs> Another <years> reference, yes. <laughs> what was what was it? Yeah. Well, what I thought is is what are they going to buy? <laughs> like, it's nice to have viewers, but the like the viewers are a means just to show you how far gone Preston is for television. The viewers are a means to the end. The viewers you have viewers. So well, I think that's the point is if you can get cats and, and, to watch a TV show and then the, you can get Purina to be the advertiser, everybody wins because they can say to the advertiser, but the cats don't buy cats. Don't right, buy but the people. Purina. Do the pe- right. The owners, but the people buy, are like, people Hey, my cat Purina. likes the show. Oh, look, there's an ad because there's nothing else on. I think that's what Preston's getting at. I don't think he thinks pets are able to buy things. Okay. He thinks the people will watch the shows. I think the show is on and the pet is watching it. So the people are like, oh, what's uh, Fluffy watching? Oh, he's watching this show. Well, well, there are there are people who do put on like certain Animal Planet shows and TV stations that cater to animals nowadays while they're gone from work or at oh. work or stuff like that. So their animals oh, can weird. watch TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is weird. 
But that, but I've I've seen that. I know that that that's a thing. I mean, cats kind of crazy. You have cats, exactly. don't you? I would th- you I have would a think cat, he... don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I have, have a cat. cat. Cats, okay. cats. Yeah. <laughs> Too many of them. So, do your cats ever request certain <laughs> they can't brands? Talk, Sean. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, no, they, 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 they won't eat crap food though. That's the thing. They'll be like, oh, they are picky. They, yeah, cats. they are very picky. They won't eat certain foods. And my when I had a dog, he wouldn't eat anything unless it was the brand that he was used to. Hmm. Uh, and Cats he would watch are the TV. Ebenezer he would Scrooge sit there and watch TV. They're asking. Oh yeah, they yes. are. <laughs> yeah. They so are. I would think Preston would be would be asking him, "Do you know how many parrots there are in the United States?" Because if someone left the TV on to keep their pet company, and the pet was a parrot, and you ran the ad, and then the person comes home, and the parrot says, "You know, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot to invest <laughs> in, a, in a, hoping that the parrot mimics, not all birds mimic." parrots do not all parrots mimic but it's, it doesn't matter it i think no. i think preston is, no. is is he's insane but is he is he i'm gonna throw the quote is he because but nowadays it, we program for all sorts of things we program for humans uh based on race sex sexual orientation gender all these kind of things w- what's the difference between adding species <laughs> i mean really other than again, they can't buy anything. Yet. 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 Hmm. Yeah, you could you could probably teach well again going to parrot, you know, if you have you love, like why uh, are you going back to the parrot? These, <laughs> well, if you have one of these home assistants like an Alexa talk, or Google yeah. home thing that you can talk to and say <laughs> buy something, then they could the commercial couldn't you know, you could instruct the parrot to then talk to the home assistant to order Oh my god! Something. I don't know. If, I wonder if she'll. I wonder if I she know. recognizes parrot talk as talk. <laughs> what if it's because it's kind of gibberish half the time? It's like, mm. I, and then then the Preston describes a detective that dangles string. I was like, <laughs> I would watch that show. I don't care. I don't sure that sounds fine. <laughs> I watched a lot of stupid shows in the eighties. I watched Manimal. I watched Street Hawk. I watched Airwolf. Street all these shows oh, were yeah. all a gimmick. Uh, so, uh, again, is he crazy or is he a genius? Preston. Mr. Preston Fluffernutter. What's his Cra- name? He's got a weird... Crazy like... Rhinelander. Okay, it's no worse. Rhine-Lander. Preston Rhinelander may be a genius. He was, he was ahead of his time. And and then... Uh, I'm just going to keep... I keep introducing these things. I should stop. Okay, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> No, please. I'm just yeah. Do do my well, job. Well, then, then he me. sends him to the elevator. I'm not gonna complain. I'm so excited uh, because my favorite character yeah. is about to show up. John Glover <laughs> opens the other uh, door and he's talking. He's been talking the whole time, and he walks in and he sees uh, he sees Frank and he walks up to Frank and gets I mean right in his face and <laughs> he's like, "Hey, I'm Bryce Cummings. We met at blah 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 blah," and he's he's friends with Preston. Bryce Cummings, a.k.a. John Glover, is the greatest character, second only to Clamp from Gremlins 2. It's the same character, except I like Clamp. Yeah, exactly, same character. I like Clamp. I don't like Bryce Cummings. (laughs) You don't like? Yeah, I mean, it basically is is Clamp. But I I think John Glover plays basically the same character no matter what, because even when he played like Lex Luthor and, or not Lex Luthor, but Luthor's father. Yeah, but he wasn't hokey. Smallville, he was kind of the same. He was, you know, he was in Batman, okay. Batman and Robin. <laughs> okay, well, for the four minutes he's in that movie, yes, 
Exactly. Was there anything in Batman and Robin that wasn't hokey? I mentioned on every mm. podcast I'm on, this is the only movie I've ever, second one of two movies I've ever got my money back on from the movie theater. What was the other one? I, I walked out <laughs> with my wife and said, really? I want my money back. And they said, why? I go, because this movie is terrible. And they said, <laughs> okay, because movie theaters will do that. You didn't know that? That's not a... It, I know that. Right, Chris? They will, yeah. You used to work at one? Oh, yeah, they will. Yeah, yeah it, they will. They, they, they prefer sure. to give you a But you're pass. not making money on the, the, but, you know. the, the entrance. You're making money on the concession. No. So yeah, I was right. like... They won't take the popcorn back, but if you tell them this movie I sucks. mean, we didn't watch yeah, an hour and a half of it. We watched uh, probably, about, probably about up until Bruce Glover. And I was just like, we have to stop. We this uh, When they introduced Bane, I was like, nope, this is it. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. God, we've got to leave. And I'm not a let's leave kind of guy. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> but that, that was a let's leave that kind is, of movie. That is still a let's leave kind of movie. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he runs into Frank. Runs into Bryce Cummings, played uh, by John Glover. Yeah, we don't get enough of him. He just gets off yeah. the elevator, says hi, annoys me, and then gets back on the elevator, and he's still talking to that lady that's next to him. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's like an L.A. scumbag, just a just a quintessential '80s L.A. guy. That in your mind, that's what they did. Hey, hey, and they're just they glad hand. It doesn't have to be L.A., but I think they were trying to do that with him. It, it, it's that guy who who doesn't understand personal boundaries, and walks up and starts telling right. you. You find out like his dating history, and uh, who you know everything about him in the first two minutes. And you're like, I I really don't know you. I really don't want to know these things. I don't want to have this connection. You're forcing a connection on me. So that's basically what he's going to be. This whole movie It's forcing yeah. a connection with Frank Cross. Yes. Yeah, and he he will, he will be, be back. back. And then we follow up that uh, Grace lets Frank know that his brother is yeah. in town or in the office, and it's uh, it's his brother. It's his actual brother. It's Bill Murray's brother. It's one of the only times a brother yeah. has yeah. ever played his brother. Played a brother, I think. Yeah, I think the only yeah. time. Um, and there's actually another brother mm-hmm. that's coming up, yeah. who is playing a relative, but not a brother. But in this case, the brother is playing. When my ten year old saw this movie for the first time, he's like. Is that his real brother? I go, good eye. That is exactly his real brother. <laughs> it's basically uh, Brian That's Doyle Murray brother. younger. It's the exact same face. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. because his, his older brother Brian does play his father, which right. is surreal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah, his younger yeah his past self brother, his past self father. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, I don't know, that didn't come out right, but that's what I yeah. But sort of the. Uh, the the Jim Belushi to uh, Bill's yeah, and they job. go to uh, yeah, well no I like I like him better <laughs> than I like Jim Belushi so I like uh, I like this well Murray. this this brother was the one that was in mm-hmm. in movie violations oh, and the other brother is the one that was on uh, Dharma and Greg yeah so. oh I did not know there was a Murray yep. brother in uh, he's the Greg. bigger one yeah 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 there's he's he's more the 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 what's it called the uh, <laughs> Uh, and then the confusing part is there's another guy who you think is a, a Murray brother, who's the big guy from Groundhog Day that he meets in the hallway every day, and that's not a Murray. Even no, though not a Murray, and he's from Armageddon, and you think that's a Murray. He sounds exactly like Bill Murray. <laughs> he has that same Chicago <laughs> accent, and it's uh, yeah. it's not Bill Murray. He's not a Murray. Yeah, I should do a podcast. Murray, not Murray. <laughs> Just have people come on. Is this guy yes. Murray? No, he's not a Murray. Murray or not a Murray? 
And then they're in the bathroom. They're in yeah. uh, Frank Cross's bathroom, and it has a, uh, it has the definition of the word cross, a thing they cross. nail I love people to. So great, <laughs> people too. Oh, that's so great. That now that's a funny joke. Yeah, that that's is, not a yeah. dated joke either. Well, I guess it's the most dated joke. It's two thousand years old, but. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's and he's uh he's getting ready for his uh to go to his he's gonna talk to his brother and he's gonna go jump in the cab and we get some real new york street stuff yeah now i was trying to figure out like if that it, it you know if, if there was some deeper thing going on there with the the cross a thing they nail people to and and i wasn't able to come up with it i think it's just outside of joke. it being christmas thing i think it's yeah. just him i think yeah, he i think david well, no, i think that'd that, be, uh, that'd... frank cross is the guy that nails you the thing I think he in his right. mind hits a personal motivation. It's a mantra. Yeah, yeah. especially with his uh, uh, cycle there. Yeah, he looked just staring at it, looking out the window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if this was an Easter movie, it would be much more on <laughs> message. But in this context, <laughs> it's just a joke. Uh, this the, and and yeah. they go downstairs to good old uh, good old nineteen eighty eight. New York, uh, back when it was the gritty city. Yeah. Oh, so the gritty good. city. Well, that's Philly now. Philly's now the gritty city. But yeah, but gritty's the city. New York City is. I, I loved New York in the eighties. I grew up going to New York every Thanksgiving, going to the parade, going to see shows, hanging out, eating from street vendors, which are now back. I'm happy to say, my wife was very happy. She got a hot dog from a street vendor, and I said. Did they have any individually wrapped uh, candies? And she goes, oh, no, they didn't have. Like, they had, like, used to have, like, gumdrops. <laughs> no. Like, you get gumdrops <laughs> in a brown paper bag. Just loose candy from a vendor. <laughs> yeah, can yep. you trust uh, that nowadays? I, I miss the 80s New York. It was gritty, and there were porn theaters yeah, everywhere, too. but it was awesome. Times Square was a nightmare. Porn theaters. <laughs> uh, well, that's okay. But that's what they are. So... Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll go down to, to, to street level, and uh, Cross is making his way to to the to the cab, walking and talking with his brother. He passes this band, and just happens to be uh, a bunch of famous guys. Yeah, and he, he whips out, you know, what? You guys just learned that song today, or something. He makes <laughs> some wise crack again, being a jerk for no reason. Just yeah, just it's, being uh, a jerk for no reason. But so we got we uh-huh. got Paul Schaefer, who yep. was uh, the uh, Murray would know was the band leader mm-hmm. for SNL for for many mm-hmm. a years, and the other musicians on trumpet. Miles Davis? We have Miles Davis. Miles Davis. I mean, just the great Miles Davis. Yeah. On mm-hmm. sax, David Sanborn. Yep. Uh, name some folks might know another another big name. Or and, sound you might know from all the Lethal Weapon movies. He was the sax for. He did oh, most, he, he did, did sexy uh, sax for, for the Lethal Weapon. Huh. All the I Lethal Weapon know. movies. He composed the score with Michael Kamen and Eric Clapton. Huh. Oh, learning yeah, something new every day. Yep. There we yeah. go. Yeah. That's so every time you, you hear, you hear, uh, you know, Murtaugh say he's too old for this, that that's David Samuel going, you know, in the background with huh. the sax. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. I learned something cool. today. Thanks. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. I was and knowing is half the battle. The it was the 80s. And the other one's knowing is half the battle. Yeah. Well, and then on, uh, on guitar is uh, Larry Carlton. Who yep. was uh, maybe not as famous as David Sanborn or Miles Davis, but uh, you know d- did a lot of studio work, played with Steely Dan and Joni Mitchell, and a, the and a Robert Goulet so of another, guitars. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the Robert. <laughs> well, I found interesting. I was reading up on him that that he was stabbed or shot. Oh my right, god! Right before all this, or right after this movie <laughs> right shot, right after this scene, and he lost. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but he literally right after use, this scene, he lost oh, no. use of his arm, like his. He's like his a guitar player. Everything. Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> he needs that arm. I know. Oh, that's how does he play and, guitar? And he he also played the guitar on the the Hill Street Blues theme. Oh. Well, that's depressing. Yeah, actually, he was shot in the ah. neck. That's where he was shot in the neck and lost Got, use lost of use his, of his arm. neck. Yeah, no kidding. That is crazy. That's crazy. Oh yeah, that, that's. I hope he's crazy. okay now. Yeah, is he? Unless he's dead. Oh yeah, he's good now. Sorry. Okay. No, I don't want to get haunted by him tonight. <laughs> I mean, he. You. Why did you make fun of my neck and my head and my arm? <laughs> did you call me <laughs> no, Robert Goulet? So you jerk. He just talks like that. He does have credits after this, so I yeah. guess he maybe plays. They're just not very good. One of those guys now. <laughs> oh, oh, and, and looking up his good. stuff, he he composed the theme for Who's the Boss? Oh, after this? Okay, no, before this. And after this, he only played the recorder. Uh, just a lot of <laughs> or a trumpet. <laughs> only things that you can play with one hand. He actually won a, a Grammy for that uh, yeah. Hill Street Blues. One armed Grammy it was special. Back awesome. in back in eighty one, another oh. guy who's. Just f- five 81. years past peak. Way to go. You peaked. <laughs> you peaked already, dude. This whole movie, this movie peaked in 1983. Unfortunately, it was made in 1988. <laughs> it was high comedy in 1983. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about, I need to, we need to go back a little bit. Alfre Woodard is in this movie, and she's fantastic. Yes, she is. Oh. By the way, yeah, the, the, the great Alfre from... Oh, uh, well, she did some desperate the housewives. The great Alfred. She's in what Luke Cage these days. Oh yeah, uh, you know Empire. from Star Trek, Star Trek First Contact, right. uh, Captain America: yeah, Civil War. Five seconds, not enough. Yep. Uh, she was in, she was in Luke Cage. Yes, in Luke Cage, Twelve Years a Slave Cage as well. Uh, K Pax, forget yep. that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she's she in the act. new Lion she's King like movie as well. Professional actress. She's she's Sarabi oh. in the new Lion King. Movie. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sarabi. Well, just the voice. Yeah, she's the voice. She's the uh, motion yeah, the capture for one. the female <laughs> lion. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. and, and uh, I mean, speaking of um, Alfrey, she's uh, you keep calling her she, Alfrey. Are you the, familiar the with her? <laughs> Are you friends? We're with. Yeah. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Mrs. Uh, what's her last name? Woodard. I can't remember. Woodard. My memory shot. Woodard. Miss Miss Woodard. Woodard? Mrs. <laughs> now you're too formal. What's going on? She's got kids. Um, but then she's she's the inspiration for one of the the, the greatest lines in the movie when uh, you know she's got to go, and Frank is you know wants to work late. They're joined at the hip. If you can't work late, I can't work late. And if I can't work late. I can't work. I can't late. work. I, can't late. work um, late. I feel like that's that's which one is, of those lines that I would is, use, but yeah. I, I never actually work late, so <laughs> I never have the opportunity <laughs> which to is, use that line. It feels like he's also channeling uh, army training, <laughs> sir. Yeah. It's that it's that exhaustion uh, that he falls back to sometimes. It's a funny line. It is a funny it's line. A, it's a Bill Murray line. Yeah, definitely. Just wanted to make sure we talked about kind it of, before we moved on. Oh, absolutely! I mean, she she'll, she'll be back. She's in uh, in the movie sure. some more, but she deserves to be uh, to be talked, talked about. Does she come back? Is it? Oh no, she's back. She's back early tomorrow. So, listeners, hang on. Um, you'll get to see more of uh, Miss Woodard and the Solid Gold Dancers and Mary Lou Retton, Solid Gold, and Lee Majors as Tiny Tim. 
Um, so just wrapping up the minute and, and, and one thing, or not the minute, wrapping up the, the day, the section of the movie, whatever, this introdu- this introductory section before we get to the ghosts and spirits and so forth. Um, you, you've been talking about just Frank Cross's consistency in being a jerk when he doesn't have to be in stealing the cab from from this mm. old woman. like And then flipping her off. Which is and then lying to her, yeah. telling her she dropped a bag. It's the it's the it's the trifecta yeah. of being a jerk, right? Well, the, the 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 lying about the bag is just a misdirection to steal the cab. Which I'm like this this guy he can't. I I don't know. I I would see him. He would have a car service, like he would have a black, you know, a, a town car or something waiting for him. He wouldn't just be hailing a cab. No, yeah, um, I kind of agree with that, especially as a as the head of and a, also his a brother network, shouldn't be able to just. Think. Saunter into his office if he doesn't want him there. Although, you know, uh, Alfred, Mrs. Mrs. Woodard, as we're calling her now, Grace, yeah, Grace. is uh, yeah. you know, likes him, so probably let him in. But yeah, she does send him a VCR later. So. Yes, she sends. Yeah, so she she lets him in because Something she likes else that him. Peaked but he in 1983. Would, would prefer the VCR. <laughs> the personal the high-end video VCR, recorder. You know? yeah. Dad, what's a VHS tape? That's oh. what my son asked the other day. I'm like, oh god. <sighs> <sighs> Gather around well, the fires. I, my last, my last note. It's more of a question, uh, and and I'd love to hear you guys decide what you think, and, and maybe if you need to, if you want to ask other people this at some point, that's cool too. Bill Murray has a career now that is exemplary. No one can fault him for everything he does, and we all love him in whatever he does. If he's being a straight man in a movie, great. If he's being kind of funny and weird, Mm -hmm. great. It's just so much fun to have him on screen. Is there an actor either now or from another era that had this sort of career path that, that you guys think of like someone who was captain jokes that moved completely away from being a jokey man left, came back and became a character actor and also an actor in his own right that could hold a, a movie and, and, and be, you know, be a lead in movies that weren't just comedies. Is there somebody that had this kind of career path? I was trying to think. I was like, I was trying to equate it to somebody. Ooh, yeah. Well, Tom Hanks was kind of like that because he was kind of jokey yeah. all the yeah. time. And now yeah. he's pretty it's, much serious. I think it's the... It's uh, the yeah, he is. He is. You're right, because because he was he was like 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 Mr. Good Funny Guy in the early '80s, and he also did um, Bosom Buddies and yeah. stuff like that. So you know, I mean, yeah, even when he yeah Bosom Buddies, but even when he made the jump to movies initially, it was stuff like Big, where he was he was yeah. literally a kid. I mean, he was playing a you know a, a kid in a Bachelor grown up's body kind of thing. Bachelor Party, exactly. Bachelor and, uh, Party. Yeah. I was thinking, I was yeah. thinking Woody Harrelson, maybe. Because I I think Tom Cru- Tom Cruise Jesus Tom Cruise is on my mind Tom Hanks is <laughs> you're, definitely you're uh, uh, one that I think of but when I think of like character actor I think I was trying to think of like Woody, and my wife even said what about Woody Harrelson and I was like yeah that's actually a really good point Woody Harrelson was a goofball yeah, playing a I'm, dummy typecast into being a dummy, dummy on the show yeah. and then did a few things where he was a dummy again and yeah. then now. W- when you hear Woody Harrelson's in a movie, don't you kind of go, I'm sold. Like when you hear that he's playing a part in a movie, you're always like, this will be great. Are we talking Anything. about Venom? <laughs> Venom. Uh, when he's in uh, he's in that three billboards movie. Uh, I mean, there's, 
Yeah, he was in he was in Solo, and he was in um, yeah, yeah, uh, he's War for the Planet of the Apes, you know. So well, I, I you know, and I wouldn't go so far as to say that I'm I'm showing up to a movie sure. just because I see Woody Harrelson on the no. poster, yeah. but. Something that has been, they've been replaying it recently because the new season is coming up is True Detective. And oh, yeah. yeah, Woody Harrelson and then also Matthew McConaughey, um, you know, who's in that. I think they're both guys, not now, Matthew wasn't playing, you know, sort of the, the, the naive, less intelligent hick that, mm-hmm. that Woody was playing on, on Cheers, but certainly did a lot of lighter roles and then has, uh, has taken on some heavier stuff. I think at the time that was the. In, I think that was the eighties. Yeah, yeah. We had like a thing against accents, and people that had accents had to mm-hmm. be funny goofs. They all had to be uh, archetypes right. of things like, oh, he's the hick. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, you're I mean, either I think, hick or a terrorist right. or like a Russian agent, exactly, depending on the accent. But yeah, because you know, back to Tom, Tom Hanks. You know, I think that uh, Michael Keaton had the oh, same yeah. thing too up until he did uh, Clean and Sober because he was like mm-hmm. Mr. Goofball in the eighties. And and so much so that nobody wanted to see him as Batman. He's in Batman, uh, you know, and <laughs> he is Batman, dude. Come he on. is Batman. He he's oh, man, the, I'm gonna have to get on my VHS tapes. I'm so no far other. behind. You gotta catch up, man. Yeah. Didn't that also come just, out just in 1988 or 89? <laughs> yeah, 89. 89. Yeah. yeah. No VHS is in that uh, movie. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when you when you first asked the question, that the first name that popped in my head actually someone who who did the reverse, someone who was a serious actor for mo- most of his career, and then, you know, most people these days, if they remember him at all, would remember him for his comedy is Le- yeah. Leslie Nielsen. That's a good one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was watching Forbidden Planet the other day, and my Great son movie. came in and saw him. He's like, "Hey, isn't that that guy from?" From the Naked Gun, I go, yeah, that is. He goes, is no, this a funny movie? Not at all. I go, no, not, <laughs> not really. at all. Not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. What about? So. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of. What about Alec Baldwin? He kind of went the opposite way too. He was always yeah. the straight man, and then he was kind of the second he did The Shadow. From then on, we were yeah, like, okay, yeah. he can be funny. And I mean, because now, I mean, yeah. people who and only know him from the past 15 to 20 years would say Alec Baldwin is a comedian, like as a comedic actor. Yeah. Especially because of yeah. 30 rock. And, but no one would, no, no. anyone from our yeah, age right. would be like, yeah. Oh no, he was in like a ton of stuff. Like, I mean, Hunt for Red Boss October. baby. I mean, there's so many very, you know, Boss baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Madagascar too. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's one of those actors, I think, but he had so, he was so prolific. I, it's hard to find like that middle ground because Bill Murray is just like, he doesn't have a huge resume. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you're right. Comparing mm-hmm. Bill Murray to somebody like, like Chevy Chase. That's true. He couldn't get out of that, you know? Well, but Chevy Chase, well, again, was, you know? and he, he was Frank Cross. Yeah. Maybe that's who he's yeah. playing. That might be who he's playing. Ooh. You're right. That sort of ass that that doesn't give a shit about anybody. Sorry if I'm going too blue. Doesn't give a crap about yeah, anybody. I think, I think if you, you think know? about it, they did work together. So maybe he's just like, I'm just going to be chubby. Yeah, I can be chubby. He's yeah. going to draw on because he always know, did have and a problem. Chubby definitely yeah. has a drawer that has a yeah. mirror in it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, this like a light. Yeah, now that you say it, that seems like I don't know if he does, but that seems like a very. Chevy but yeah, now that we're saying that, you know, it does seem like he is playing Chevy in this film. Because well, well, as we as we now, go along with the it. movie, we'll see if it uh, if it holds up. If that analogy holds up, we'll see if it holds up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now the 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 one actor who hasn't quite made that turn yet, but I'm waiting for it, 
is Paul Rubens. I think we're close. I'd love to see some. I think I'd yeah. love to see some some meaty dramatic. Well, right now they're talking about bringing way, back Pee Wee's Big Event, uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, as a show. Pee Wee's Playhouse. So yeah. I think if he gets back in yeah. the public eye again, I think he could do a. a a straight role because he has done he has done some good serious work on and little he's little awesome in Matilda. There, I, think, you know? I mean, he was great in uh, yeah, Buffy. But the that's Vampire like a comedic Slayer. role yeah. where he's like great. somebody like he was a character. He was also Matilda. My 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 ten year old watches that movie all the time, and he's just there's nothing really funny about him. He's just being yeah. a straight man, right? Well, and Ed, speaking of the Batman, he was uh, in Batman Returns. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was uh, Oswald Cobblepot's father. Copperpot, yeah. Uh, so so back to the Scrooged, and uh, and Bill Murray as someone whose whose career kind of followed a, a very Bill Murray path. So we see him. He he you know all right. Let's say he didn't think ahead to arrange for the car service, and it's rush hour in Manhattan. So he needs to steal the cab. But the the finger after he's already inside and he's he's closed the door. That's just yeah, not not necessary. And then we see him accepting. Is it a it humanitarian is. award? Yeah, humanitarian, yeah, humanitarian of the award. Year. And you know the, the thing they say about sincerity: if you can fake that, you've got it made. Accepting this humanitarian of the year award, and we know. I mean, it's it's we're sixteen, Who'd seventeen. Give this to him. Movie, He's a jerk to everyone. And we already know. Yes, and he. He doesn't. Yeah, he's not it. like he's at, not like when it, he's it's, with it's, Preston. He's still a jerk, even around Preston. He just doesn't make fun of Preston, his boss. You know what I mean? But so if he's right. around anybody else who is he, he believes to be his inferior, he's going to be awful or dismissive. Yeah. I mean, the, the the one time we see it is when Loudermilk speaks up after that meeting and says, you know, I think that that spot's a little too much. And he kind of, oh, thank you for your input. I'll think about it. And, and then he fires him. Um but previously, we, you know, he, he says out loud to a room full of, I guess, his fellow executives or his employees, if he's able to, to fire them. But he says out loud, now I have to kill you all. <laughs> like, that's not something humanitarian says to a room full of people. Gandhi used to say that, that kind of joke. Yeah. Now yep. I have to kill you all. Yeah. So, and it's in, yeah, but he is, he's, he's faking it for the moment, at least. That he that this means something to him, and then we immediately see on, in the cab afterwards he's left it in the back seat. So he he doesn't care. He's not a humanitarian. They've been fooled. I don't know if he wrote a check. He would, but he's you know, not charitable. He that would help he's, his he, career. From what we know of yeah. Frank, he. I mean, but he's this not is yeah. also inferring stuff from later in the movie. But we know he's not a nice. He's not a nice guy in all facets of his life now. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and that so it's another an, another departure. And this is so this is not the most faithful of Christmas Carol adaptions. I, I think uh, I don't think I'll get too much argument on that. Um, and this is an, just another demonstration where in the original Scrooge was not, um, you know, was not even faking being nice to the you know anyone at all, let alone the poor or the needy. He was saying, you know, are there no poor houses? Are there you know the workhouses? Are there, you know, ditches that we can dig and throw these people into? Um, he was not pretending to be nice in the way that that Frank seems to be able to do for at least a few seconds of the movie. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, that brings us about to the end, uh, you know, the end of this 
the end of this day, we see we get a little shot of poor Elliot Loudermilk. Um, I, I my impression here at this point, he has oh, not. No, yet he says gone he has home. to talk to his wife. No, yeah, he's he, yeah, he just uh, he can't bring himself to do it. He's standing on the street corner. He's drinking out of a bottle in a bag, and I don't know if this is this is true at one point. Uh, well, one, if if you're a cop in New York, in New York City, you've yeah. got bigger things, more in important. In 1980s New York, yeah, you're not drinking. worried about some guy who looks yeah. relatively well dressed with a bag of booze. Who cares? But I and I, I don't know if this was a, a you know official law or just unofficial, whatever. But basically, yeah, a bag did it. Like like this is not New Orleans where you can go to a bar and get a to go cup to walk to the next bar. At least by the letter of the law, public drinking was not allowed. But yeah. if you put it in a paper bag, everything it's oh crack pipe. Oh no, it's in a bag. I'm good. You know, you <laughs> stick it in a paper bag, and and and, and suddenly it's it's okay. It's, we're at the beginning you know, of Bobcat's voice. So we see yeah, he's starting back again. Now he's upset and <laughs> yeah, crazed. Exactly. So he's gonna start having a crazy voice. So yeah, yeah. and and things are going downhill. And there's there's so and there is. One of the things that this movie does well that movies don't always do is provide a well-fashioned character arc for a relatively minor character. So Loudermilk is going to go on his own personal journey Mm -hmm. throughout the course of this movie. And he's going to end up a few days from now, a few episodes from now in a much different place than he than he starts out with. And, And they build, they earn it. They show the progression of he gets fired and then it just happens to be. Um, just happens to be Frank Cross's cab that that splashes the water that gets his bag wet, so the you know the the booze that fall, falls out, so he he can't even get drunk right. This poor man. So we see his slow descent into uh, into stuff that we'll see later. Yeah, poor poor Elliot. Poor Elliot. Yeah. Poor Elliot. So uh, yeah, so that kind of brings us to the end of uh, of our episode. We did it. We did it. Yeah. All right. Um, so any anything else, uh, gentlemen, Jonathan, Christopher, anything you want to add about um, about Scrooge, <laughs> about Bobcat, Alfrey, any of our friends? No, I'm I'm excited Bill. to see where this goes because uh, we've come up with some yeah. some interesting and viable uh, information tonight that I didn't know even coming into this. So I can't wait to hear the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I learned too. a lot. I hope the listeners did as well. Me too. Um, I'm certainly making a note of that the Chevy Chase theory. Yeah, but that's uh, Bill Murray's playing Chevy Chase throughout this movie. Uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna open up doors and and windows and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> um, so if if our listeners want to hear more from you, which I'm sure they will do, because you guys have been much better than I have, much more interesting and insightful. So uh, yeah, folks want to hear more from Jonathan Howell and Christopher Ramirez. Where can they do that? You can find us on the internet at minuteimpossible.com. We do a podcast called Minute Impossible. We have broken down the first Mission Impossible movie one minute at a time. There's 110 episodes of that first series. We also uh, talked about Fallout when it came out. We were lucky enough. We have actual movies still coming out in our series. And and we are halfway through, well, not halfway. We were one third through uh, production on season two, which is Mission Impossible 2, the John Woo movie. M- much different tone, Woo. right, Chris? 
Yes, <laughs> much And uh, come listen to us. We talk about everything. We we yeah. we have some of your favorite guests on. Some of them will probably be guests on this podcast. We uh, we laugh a lot. We do funny voices. Mm-hmm. We talk about Mission Impossible. We talk about Fast and Furious a lot. Like a lot, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Uh, but yeah, come uh, come listen to us uh, on any of your podcasters. Look up Minute Impossible, or uh, find us on Twitter at Min Impossible M I N Impossible. Yeah, Minute Impossible. I'm a fan. It's it's a great show. I suggest folks check it out. And uh, one place you can find that if you go to moviesbyminutes.com and search for Minute Impossible, you'll you'll find them, and you'll find lots of other folks that are watching movies. Uh, not one ghost at a time, but but one minute at a time. Um, and if if you want to, you know, let us know what you think. Um, you know, what are your favorite Alfred Woodard movies, or or what, what's your history with Bobcat Goldthwait? Um, you can join the conversation on uh, the Facebook, our Facebook group, which is the Jelly of the Month Club. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a holdover from uh, last year. We covered National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, one day at a time, and uh, yeah, we decided to not change the name of the group. So on Facebook, we're the Jelly of the Month Club. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter, where it's NLC Vacation Days. And uh, you can find us on the web at GroundhogMinute.com. And uh, apologies to Pete Mummert. We ran out of time for this episode, but we'll be sure to get to that, uh, that special greeting next time. So, uh, so come on back for the next spirit of Scrooged by the Ghost. Ooh.